Welcome to Dark Days Radio, and we're back with another exciting, interesting uh, episode. This time we have a interview with the host of What Am I Rolling Now, a podcast about RPGs, in particular one-shot RPGs, and of course RPGs in general. Uh, so I'm one of the regular hosts of Dark Days Radio, Chris, and I am joined by David. Hello, David. Hello. How are things going? It, it's... I don't know when this is going out, but it's the last Friday of the term and teaching and university and work and it's holiday. So it's going well now. It's finally all stopped. So I'm good. Yeah, I I, I played some Cyberpunk 2077 as a break at work today so I could think about my high performance computing problem. Uh, and it worked. <laughs> I had I came up with a solution. It was good. Well, uh, You're playing it through Stadia, so it is a high performance computing game. It is. It is. And uh, we will talk about a little bit of that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and our guest today, as I said, is from What Am I Rolling? Uh, and her name is Fiona. Hello, Fiona. Welcome hello. to Dark Days Radio. And uh, hello from Tier Three in London. Now, uh, hello. Reporting. Yes. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um cool okay um so yes uh the whole point about this is to uh obviously as an interview is to talk about your podcast and also Mm -hmm. you have another podcast called the dms book club yes yes i i run two podcasts yeah i know it's one of those things in lockdown you go i've already got one maybe i should get another one (laughs) yeah um Mm. and uh yeah so we'll be talking about the podcast your kind of you know, take on gaming and mm-hmm. uh, gaming culture and uh, and horror RPGs because that's what we're we're interested mm-hmm. in. But before we get into that, uh, we'll have a very very brief gaming news update. So, uh, David, I think we've um, Cubicle Seven has announced Litanies of the Lost, which is a series of scenarios that will be coming out for Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory RPG. Uh, the first one is on pre-order, so it's split into parts. It's their kind of piecemeal way of putting out the scenarios. The first one it's, is available. It's their version of Shadows in the Mist, like a- yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's one that's uh, set on an agri world. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm not writing on any of these scenarios. I am writing though other 40k stuff currently. Um, there is some cool stuff out for Soulbound. By the time this goes goes out, it's already out anyway. So you know, Christmas and, is being um, gone by that. Uh, what is it? Not Death on the Right, but the next one. Uh, Power, uh, Behind, Power Behind the Throne up for pre-order. And for Soulbound, there's the the seasonal one with um, Yo uh, Johan uh, Johansson Bugmanson or whatever his name is yeah, with the, the magic the beer. Dwarven, uh, the new version of Bugsman's beer is yeah come out as a he's a model who's just been released through GW and C7 have just released a, a scenario with him for Christmas and he's basically Santa Claus with beer. Cool. Uh, I don't think there's anything new out f- uh, from... I don't think there's actually anything yes, there new is. out from on yes, Pass, is. is there? Yes, there is. is. There? What what came out on Thursday? Oh, I don't know. What came out on Thursday? I forgot. Oh, yeah, the uh, Vampire 5th Edition oh, yeah. Companion. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, uh, it's um, so this companion adds uh, the Ravnos, uh, the Zemeshe, and it also adds the Salubri as playable vampire types. It adds some new discussion in there about the clans, it adds some new uh, backgrounds, merits, and obviously new disciplines. Oh, look at oh, some of the rules. You fixed some of the rules. One of them was actually something we did on the very first. The very first, it was the very first actual player Vampire Fifth Edition in the world. Is what we did was how we used uh, the compulsions. We used them for messy crits and for fails. Um, so I take credit for that because uh, I was running that game and I <laughs> fucked it up. So it's now a rule. Huh. Um, uh, but the point is, it's a really cool thing. Obviously, no surprise. Fleshcrafting is a protein amalgam. It's protein plus dominate which makes sense uh and the same with chemistry it's obfuscate plus presence and the salubri have some other bits which i think are all specs based but overall i think it's a really good addition it's free it's free so um it's brilliant and it's good and it updates the ravnos so the ravnos aren't such a gratuitous um gratuitous a racist character uh, stereotype which uh was a problem of vampire the masquerade's obviously 90s incarnation when it was okay to talk about the roma using the g word that is gone now the ravnos are far more diverse and interesting compared to that so huzzah for modernization of games <laughs> if you're an edgelord listen to this um guess what fuck off i don't care right <laughs> with that news out of the way um, wow. uh yeah that's what we are on the show um we, we yeah well, we, welcome we're, to target days radio if you're we're opinionated uh, no, i love it i love it i should say that more often on my podcast are you listening right fuck off there I'll yeah <laughs> um Obviously, the other thing out that's buggy as hell on certain platforms is uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I'm playing it on Stadia. It's gorgeous on there and it's stable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was reading up on this. The problem is not the graphics card on the older machines. It's actually the CPUs because there's that much because the CPUs are what control a lot of the are dedicated to the to the AI and the physics engine, whereas the GPUs are doing all the rendering. And that is what's holding back the last, the previous generation consoles on running this game. Uh, obviously, with Stadia, I have no idea what Google is running in the background on the, on the server for this, because it's all cloud-based. Um, but it's good. I'm enjoying photo mode. Is there any lag between because it's being streamed through the cloud? Um, I'm guessing you're going to have to have a decent internet connection. I've not yet. Yes, got this. it's going to be something I'm going to buy within the next couple of days. I you think. are going to definitely wonderful. want 10 megabits per second uh, upload mm. speed um, or faster. And my mm. internet connection is that. Mine uh, is that it, it's it's fun. I mean, actually, this I, I'm going to say this because, like, um, Fiona, I don't know. Um, how much you know about the cyberpunk RPG, the original? Um, I I know of it. I have yet to okay. look into it in great detail. So please, please treat so, me as a new person to this. <laughs> so one, of, so obviously, cyberpunk, uh, the game is based out of an RPG that was created in like the late eighties uh, by Mike Pondsmith, based upon dystopian literature of cyberpunk stuff. You know, Blade Runner. Uh, you know. The work of William Gibson and obviously uh, similar writers at that time. 
and it's highly dystopian. And as Mike Ponsmith is, you know, so often famously quoted for saying, cyberpunk is a warning, not an aspiration. So one of the mm. things, and often I, I like reading The Guardian. It's no surprise. Darker Days Radio is quite a lefty podcast. But also we're kind of lefty in the sense of we also understand where media comes from and freedom of expression. And the thing that hit me with, with it is like, I think people, I'm, I'm actually, what I've played through so far, and I don't want to do spoilers, I've actually been pleasantly surprised about how Cyberpunk 2077 presents a dystopian future where everything is commoditized, your your sexuality is commoditized, whether you're male or female, like it's all just up for grabs and exploited. And while there are elements where you go, well, that's very Blade Runner with the kind of, you know, the 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 uh, the joy girl in the newest one, you know, the whole virtual girl thing running walking around being very voyeuristic. There's other bits which hammer home, this is not good. This is all very bad. Mm. And it's really tragic. The bit I played through really got to me. I was like, fuck. You know, they were like, You've, it's almost like they've prepped you going, oh, look at this world, a little bit of, that's a bit of voyeurism there. Okay, oh, there's so much, like, everything's here up for grabs. And they go, then they smack you around the head with it and go, but it bad. This is this is the underbelly of it. And you're like, fuck, you just, that's, and that's what I like about it. It's like, you have to show the negative. Sorry, you have to show the negative in order to see the positive. So you have to mm-hmm. see the one side of it for them then to flip the table on you, which I don't think open world games like this have done very well. You know, when mm. you compare to like the cl- the classic is Grand Theft Auto Vice City, it mm. emulates a certain genre of film from a certain time period, but it never really goes with the, but what you're doing is 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 wrong mm. or there are repercussions. Yeah, there's I no repercussions. So people know what they're doing is wrong, but because they're not getting chased by police in an effective way or anything, there's no repercussions in GTA. So it's yeah. kind of it's violence and, and uh, criminality for the sake of it, and there's no yeah. real control on it. Whereas if you read some of like the the William Gibson stuff from the eighties, like Neuromancer and stuff, some of the stuff which really kind of created that cyberpunk world, it is very dark. It's not all this neon shiny stuff that you see. It's it's mm. gritty, it's dark, and it's nasty. Um, so my question then to quite a- Fiona is mm. um, how do you feel about dystopian settings presented in art and whether it's like, you know, is it the fine line between when a game, with a game, for example, because we are talking about a computer game, mm-hmm. is when it presents quite gritty, uh, very real um uh very real uh I'm trying to find the word um very real problems in our world currently mm-hmm. uh and, 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 and you know magnifies it more and, and makes it even more in your face mm. is it is the issue you know where do you walk the line where art is presenting it but it's not it's not condoning it but it has to present it for for the world to be this dystopian setting i don't know it's one mm. of these things yeah, that's a really, really intricate question. Um, I think for me, because I I love stuff like Blade Runner and that sort of the the sort of the look of it is obviously very sort of retro and stuff like that. And so seeing Cyberpunk, I, I will say I have not played it. Unfortunately, I do not have an amazingly fast computer, and I am still on a uh, previous gen consoles and stuff. Um, and so I've been watching lots of let's plays of it, and definitely what 
I've seen from the Let's Plays, which is not too much, and again, there's no spoilers here at all. In terms of the customization you have of it, obviously you can look in a certain way right down to like the really nitty gritty details of it. And I wonder, that feels like, again, that's when you talk about like the look of stuff. So you can look just exactly like that. But does, does that mean you are connected to that character? Because the whole point in role-playing video games and role-playing, vid- uh, and role-playing games, I found, is that when you make that connection and you make that decision and the consequence, whether it's good or bad, comes back on you, you should feel that you go, oh, wow. And you should be affected in some way as a player as well as your character. And, I, and I've always thought that with video games in general, is that you can, you can customise your characters to fit in or to be as, as, as arty. And, and, and I wonder in a way, like what you were saying, is that maybe stuff like Cyberpunk glorifies like the, looking cool and looking like, hey, I'm covered in tech and stuff like that. At the end of the day, you, when you make a decision where you go left or right, and then that story branch of the other option that you've you've not picked gets closed off, and you can't rectify it at all, then does do you feel something like that as a player? Because I definitely certainly with stuff like The Walking Dead, for example, I've only ever played the first two episodes of that as a Telltale game, and mm-hmm. that is just very straightforward because you are already the character. You can't necessarily customize the character, and you have like four options that come up when you talk to people and you you know it's a click and point game but certainly in the first episode which again spoilers it's been out for years so hopefully you've seen it but you have to choose between saving one of the two characters that you've spoken to throughout the that course of that episode and you pick and then that affects the rest of the game so it's you know same same with like mass effect and all this thing but i felt so awful that i stopped playing (laughs) uh because i felt like oh no and so i went back and replayed it on a different setting and went through all the things and then realize that obviously, you know, it's a narrative thing. But what was cool about Telltale games, and certainly in those ones, there's like obviously the um, Walking Dead, but there's also, uh, is it, it's not called The Wolf Among Us. It's like, uh, it's based on the fable uh, comic books, where you, you know, it's, it's basically like uh, fairy tales and stuff put into a gritty, dystopian S type future. Um, it has stats at the end about what all the players who played this episode, what did people pick? And I find that's really fascinating as a breakdown because I don't know how uh, you folks play video games. Like I am really bad at being a bad person. <laughs> I I pick the good options, and only if I make a choice right at the beginning of my playthrough, going actually I'm going to be the asshole character and pick all the bad ones. But I don't play games necessarily to be that character myself but because i know i take consequences quite seriously i guess and Mm. i feel like people who just play these games so like you said like you were saying before like gta i've heard of that challenge on reddit where it's like you can pay for a prostitute or a sex worker to come in uh into your car you know do the stuff get out you can run them over and then pick up the money and i was like that's disgusting um but of course there's no penalty for doing that it's just something you can do as as an option so i guess Sorry, bit of a ramble, but going back to your original point, there is something about making the game looking beautiful and exploring those issues. But I think the level of customization doesn't necessarily, you know, you can make it look like you, you can make it, I want my character to look exactly like this, but unless you feel the choices as a player, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, it sounds like from what you were saying about like cyberpunk, like you were feeling affected by it. And I think that's a really good thing, actually, that you are taking note of this and that when you finish it, you go, wow, that game was absolutely excellent as a result. And that, cause you, 
had a unique experience with it, I guess. Yeah, I think what well, yeah, because what I'm getting at is like the plot line that you you play through witness something that goes on has you know deals with exploitation and mm. and abuse. And you know, on the one hand in the game, and I've you can go to parts of the game, yeah, you can have your character hook up with with what they call joy bots which is just basically you know humans modified for and and work for pleasure and and as a character male or female you can hook up with male or female or obviously because actually in the game you can be you know you you can actually you can make your character be you know to a degree you know a mix of 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 aspects so that you can Mm -hmm. be somewhat trans um, you know, it's never going to be perfect because, you know, it's a spectrum and you're on a computer and they give you only a few options. So it can't be, mm-hmm. you're never going to get that plethora of that full spectrum. So you can do all of that. But then the point is that you can engage with what looks like the sex work business and go, oh, yeah, my character's going off and having fun. And, yeah, they're walking through this part of town, which is like a red light district. But then you see, but then you have a plot line that goes to the, you know, it, exposes you to the negative side of the underbelly of that and worse because we're dealing with a cyberpunk world where you know you've got elements of like from strange days where you've got like snuff films and so forth you know just like oh no we're going there now like we're we're dealing with that kind of like um exploitation as well so I think it's it's really good like that and also one of the things that I find quite good so far again it's not spoilers but as you're engaging with certain missions, you can actually say, I don't want to take part in that. Like when someone goes, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. You're like, mm, I don't think that's right. I'm going to leave you to it. Or I, or you mm. can even suggest, I don't think you should do that. So you can actually go for the non-murderous route or you could go on full revenge sprees, depending upon how, how, how you as a player or maybe how you as a player, how your character, how you may think your character should respond feels like they want to deal with this issue so do you murder someone in revenge or do you think well i think i think we've done what we need to do let's mm. leave it there and mm. that's been quite interesting i think to actually mm. some because you don't get that in gta it's like oh here's a mission do the mission you never get a point yes. along that mission to go i think we've done enough yeah yeah we don't that's... need to brutalize them anymore agreed <laughs> What I'm intrigued to see is um, if, if and when it ever comes out, is um, Bloodlines Two. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to deal with a lot of these issues because if you listen to Dark Days Red, you obviously know what vampire is and kind of what the topics and themes of it are. And obviously, mm-hmm. we're trying to be and and obviously where vampire comes from and where it is now. We're obviously the leftist side of their things and 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 the 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 good side. So I'd, I'd be intrigued to see how Blood, uh, Bloodlines Two is going to deal with uh, with that character creation and making you feel that human side to the character rather than just oh I'm a vampire I can go around and rip people's throats out. Exactly. And obviously we've got Werewolf coming out next uh, next year I think. I yeah. Remember. I'm I'm intrigued to see how they're going to deal with some of the the t- things that come up in Werewolf about the rage and. Uh, ripping people's heads off again uh, but by comparison um uh, an interesting one was heart of the forest for werewolf which is a more like a choose your own adventure um interactive novel type game that was uh from the guys in poland i can't remember the name of the company but i did a i did review and that was quite different because obviously you're playing a werewolf character you know it's not a 
button mashing, uh, you know, killing spree GTA type experience. It's just a you know, click, pick options and see what happens. Anyway, that's a really heavy intro to this show. Fascinating. Let's talk, about, let's, yeah, let's talk about podcasts. <laughs> Fiona, um, Hello. how did you get started in roleplay gaming or gaming hobby in general, whether it's board games or miniatures games or anything like that? No, um, first I, I heard about a game called Cyberpunk. No, um, I, uh, <laughs> I, um, so I, how, oh God, it's, it's like, where do I begin? Um, so <coughs> I've always been, I think pretty much anyone who does role-playing games at some point has always been that sort of person who's like, I really like drama. I really wanted to do, like, again, young child dream of like, oh, I'd love to do something on the stage and stuff like that. And that was quickly cut from stuff by, not my parents, but the school was very much like, no, and you're not going to do drama, GCSE or anything like that. And I sort of sh- shied away from that sort of thing, going to uni and that sort of thing. So I kind of missed out a lot on any opportunities to try role-playing games until I moved to London and weirdly and this is this is where <laughs> uh this is where it's like oh you get a very good sense of who I am I guess I'm one of those people who don't doesn't do things by half so I joined a Quidditch team um which a uh, ground Quidditch I'll, I'll say in case people don't know what it is it's a basically <laughs> if you've read Harry Potter uh there they in the US about 13 years ago uh, a, a guy made or, or, or sort of transpose the sport into like a real sport that people can come and play. And so it started, started taking off. This was like 2015, I think, in the UK. And I joined a team so that I would go outside and make friends because it was at that point where you finished uni and moved to a job but had no friends or anything like that. So, you know, and I'll, I will say I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm no athlete. Uh, it turns out if you don't do any exercise uh, in your teens, then you're not very good when you're 25 uh, and you're running around. With a, with a broom between your legs but it was hmm. what it helped me realize how much I enjoyed nerdy things because a lot of people would join to because they liked Harry Potter and then stay for the Quidditch and I I'd enjoyed Harry Potter it had helped me you know as, as you know as a ph- phenomenon when you're growing up and reading anyway point is from that uh, I had a few friends who were like do you want to try Dungeons and Dragons and of course I'd heard about it but never played it and so you go around one drink led to many drunken game nights and I realized how much I enjoyed it because it was everything I wanted uh you know thinking back to like actually having a conversation with someone and it was really easy to learn and then it sort of went by that realizing that our games because everyone was so busy at the time um you know once a month and I was like god I'd love to do this more often and so again one thing led to another bought a book bought too many books and I kind of in the last three years I had so many books that I just hadn't had time to read. So I made myself the challenge of like, I want to get better at doing audio production for my work. I want to be able to see my friends more. And I wanted to be able to read some of the books and, you know, either give some away so I'd have more space for more books or, you know, actually appreciate what these games are. And so I thought, why don't I challenge myself to do a podcast whereby every couple of episodes we look at a different system entirely so that you get, you know, different genres, different, you know, ideas about how you can make game design and that's pretty much where i started from and going strong we're doing right we've just released obviously by the time this episode goes out for for you guys it'll be a different but we've just released episode 69 so nice uh, <laughs> um and yeah it's 
it's been one of those whirlwinds because without it, I wouldn't have met so many people online and offline going to conventions and stuff and, and actually trying all these brand new games. So yeah, that's basically my gaming history in a nutshell. I've just been playing I've, only really in the last five years and started with uh, Dun- Dungeon Dragons 5th edition, but quickly go, go off to try other things and definitely run a lot more other systems. That is not D&D. So yeah. That's quite interesting really because the thing is move away from D. yeah i was gonna say the move away from D because you know i think mm. often when people start out they will latch on to D, mm-hmm. and then i maybe i don't know whether i don't know whether it's a thing more now than ever because of certain <laughs> media out there that and dnd is like you know is a huge part of our of the rpg market that can't be denied mm-hmm. but People just then stay in that little, um, yes, in, in that in that in that garden, as it were. Mm-hmm. And when you say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I want to try playing this. Do you want to play this?" and it's like, you know, the question is, "Is it D and D?" Which can either yes. either mean, "Is it still a fantasy game?" Which maybe no, or does it run using D and D fifth edition? And mm-hmm. the answer to that could also be no. no. So. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, given that you're pushing yourself to run or run games that you haven't had a chance to run because you bought mm-hmm. the books simply because they looked interesting, different, mm-hmm. and explored something that you hadn't tried out before? How do you address people that don't want to make that jump? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, can, can we add on to that as well? Is how, how would you convince the people as well that they, they should be trying kind of something else other than D&D? Because I always find mm. this is the hardest part of it. It's like mm-hmm. they go, "Oh yeah, let's play a game." It's like, "Is it based on this?" It's like, no, they just kind of lose interest straight away. So, mm. how how would you how do you go about convincing people to come out and play this new game? Whether it's um, a World of Darkness game like we play, or whether it's something from mm. Free League or something else. Um, what kind of routes? How and how did you or how do you think about kind of pulling people into other games? Mm. yeah again it's it's an interesting thing i think i realized really early on that lots of people like as you just said lots of people get into D, but then they stop at only being a player and this is the thing i one of the reasons i really push uh suddenly what am i rolling is because it's about not necessarily like you should check out these players in a new system it is more like this gm has run loads of things but it's i, I find it's it got to a point because I, I don't actually run D&D that regularly. I've done, I, I play in an ongoing campaign and that I will say that that, that is my comfort food, I guess. Uh, you, you know, it's the game I started in and I appreciate that. But I think it got to a point when I was in a one shot where the other players know exactly what the monster is, exactly the hit points, exactly Ooh. all these things. And they could predict everything that was going to happen to the game. just because, just because the, you know, and that was no fault of the, the dm at all but i was just like if you know it so well why aren't you running it and there were and there's that sort of shock of horror like no why why would i run it when i just enjoy playing it and i realized that in order to get away and maybe that's the fear as well some people dming so certainly running dungeons and dragons with friends but people don't do it because they're worried that they're going to get stuff wrong that the players will know so i like got around that by going hey i want to run this game for you guys uh, you folks, um, you don't know anything about the system. Only I do, so you have to trust me. Um, which like is bloody great. <laughs> I love that. Idea. Um, 
I'm going to yeah. screw this up, but screw you guys because you won't know. Exactly. See, that's that's an interesting uh, point, Raze, is about trust and mm. how that relates to players um, not wanting to leave their comfort zone of mm. playing D&D. And I wonder if that's because of how... I don't know. I mean, it could happen in any game system. And, you mm. know, don't get me wrong, it happens in Vampire. Players are very, uh, you know, I've come across people that go, you can only play this type of vampire character if you've read all these books to know what a Torridor is like. And it's like, oh, yeah, but not all Torridors are like that. So go fuck off. And I've yeah. had that to people. <laughs> I've, I've um, met many of them. But the point, <laughs> the point I'm making is that there's a comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And that comfort zone may be because, uh, because I, I, I don't know, I'm theorizing, does... Does D and D as as presented? I'm not saying as in how it's always run, because obviously mm -hmm. people can run it in different ways. But as presented, and so leading to a typical way that people seem to slide into, mm -hmm. is rewarding that kind of in depth knowledge of the entire system and the monsters, so that you can you know grind your way up the levels confidently with your character who will never have any danger of dying because you already know what the odds are of mm -hmm. facing that basilisk or or that gelatinous cube or mm -hmm. or beholder do you think and and then and because they know that system they don't actually have to trust the gm they right. only have to trust the rules yeah. mm -hmm. and yeah. That I think is the issue because, and this comes back to a complaint I saw in uh, on the Gehenna Gaming Discord recently about how someone was playing vampire and their GM was doing something, and they were like, "It didn't." Their GM was using a rule to force them to role play things that were. It was kind of like taking the agency from the player, and it wasn't just it wasn't using a dice roll to remove that agency. It was also making them role play something they didn't want to role play. Mm. And again, it's that loss of trust of the GM, yeah. and and using the there's there's the rules, and then there's the spirit of the rules. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think all of that together makes me, I think, understand why players don't want to leave, well, certain players maybe, or players that are, are fostered in a certain way, don't want to leave D&D &D because mm -hmm. it's a fear of a, uh, it's a fear of, of something because they actually maybe don't trust their GM or they've been taught to not trust their GM. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's something I talked about this actually at Dragon Meet on on the emotions and role playing panel. There is this sort of weird antagonistic relationship that gets put about, say, oh, the DM is trying to kill us, is trying to just you know TPK the party, or oh, my players they're ruining my story, and that's not what role playing should be. Every, I, there's that sort of story that you know the DM or the GM is a player too. They are yeah. basically they're just the ones that have the final say at the end. So when I treat, going back to your question, Sir David, how do I treat it? So mostly, most of the time, I will get games that do have quick start rules that are under 20 pages. <laughs> Certainly now, <laughs> when we're all online, people don't have time to read massive PDFs, um, you know, and I don't want to take up their time with too many screens. Uh, so a lot of, if you go through the list on what am I rolling, there's a lot of one-page one-shots from Grant Howitt, <laughs> which I'm unashamedly not, not ashamed to use. <laughs> oh, um, but great. I just, I feel like... 
you know, the thing I always say at the top of the show or, or the top of the thing is like, if we get the rules wrong, then that's fine. Because ultimately, it's, it is the fun of everyone at the table. And I'm sure both of you've run games yourself. There's no, I, I do find running games stressful, but it's more of a stress that, oh no, I've not done this right. Then if the players afterwards are, are having a good time, I, I've now really relaxed into it to the point where I ran um, off uh, audio. I ran Jason Statham's Big Vacation for just, there was just two of, there was three of us. And so it was possibly great. the best game. Yeah, it's such a great game. And it's the best thing I've ever run. And I hadn't recorded it, which is always annoying. But it was because, <laughs> again, those players trusted those players trusted me to do uh, to do it and were happy to let go. So Because there's that vulnerability as well, that you want to play a game and have this unique experience with someone, someone else, but not necessarily be railroaded. And so it sounds like with that example you gave, that... Yeah, forcing someone to do something which hasn't been discussed up top is 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 a bit of a thorny patch. Like I always say, like please feel free to ask me questions during the game. Don't you know? If even if I've explained it a five hundred times, uh, it's always useful because then when I listen back, I can I can be like, oh, I didn't explain it properly at all, so I'm going to keep that question in, or I'm going to make a note of it, say in the introduction and stuff. And it's yeah, running games has made me such a better player. Uh, for D&D I'd say so because I know of all these other systems that I go oh I can think about doing this next time I'm a player and stuff um, but I, it is I will say as, as as David pointed out it's it is so hard sometimes because people are scared of trying new systems getting out of their comfort zone so what I say is uh, sometimes I'll just say look we won't record it I just want to try it out um, yeah. and I and also I you know I'll give all the rules up front and I'm happy to answer any questions and stuff but ultimately you know I, I'll say to them look well it's only going because it's only a one shot three hours tops and the worst thing that can happen is that it all goes to pot and you go god what a nightmare we played this game it was awful and it's a nice bonding experience anyway so that's how i treat it it's, it's not necessarily oh a serious gaming session it is an experience almost like as if you're going to the theater because you go to some if you go to the theater or you see a film you come back afterwards going like if you went to go see cats in a cinema like i did because i knew <laughs> it was going to be terrible i knew it was going to be bad <laughs> but i had to see it yeah. But I knew I was going to enjoy it because it was so awful. And it honestly, well, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen any other films in 2020 in the cinema. Um, it was the only one I did see. And it's, it's in my top awful films. And it's definitely something I'd watch again, but maybe with more alcohol. You know you know what I mean? It's because it's something that I was like, yeah. this is amazing. Top films are seeing in the theatre in 2020. So you've got two good things coming out of it. There you go. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that's actually, I mean, is quite important with what you said is that because it's just a one shot, and people's in people's it changes people's uh players investment mm -hmm. their investment becomes in having the most fun on the night rather than exactly. i must finally tune my character for this 20 year yes. campaign and you're just like oh god a 20 year campaign for a 20 year campaign good luck with that I'm just like, yeah. I think about that and I just go, oh God. It's like, I, I mean, a lot of what we do on, um, on, uh, for our stream games, we're often having to work out interesting ways to write characters in and out during it because certain mm -hmm. players could be there and certain ones aren't. But that also, I think, has already prepared us, I think, David, for the fact of like, someone's character is going to die really badly soon. Well, it's Warhammer Fantasy, of course. Especially Warhammer Fantasy. It, they're going <laughs> to die. It's, and in it's fact, it's built. Character sheet. <laughs> It's built into the system is if you can die as they've been apparently fated to die, you gain mm. extra XP when you build your next character, which is kind oh, of cool. A nice, it's, it's built into it. It's, it's telling you, take some fucking risks and mm -hmm. don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do stuff because 
the world is gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Like, and and comparatively, um, that style of play and that difference of of play style is exactly why I've always felt I've never really been interested in live action vampire the masquerade role play where it's like these ongoing campaigns managed by mm-hmm. some GM somewhere. But when I took part in World of Darkness Berlin, it existed for that one night. This yep. big LARP that took place in, literally, we walked around Berlin in character, going from uh, so play cool. location to play location. It was weird. It was fun. Um, but it also meant everyone was invested in that one night. And exactly. if their character di- and if their character died, what was the rule? You just went to the you went to one of the play areas and you just went and sat around chatting to your friends, got some food and and drank and yeah if you were going to drink or whatever and that was why it was fun um so i think i think we've definitely hit on something there which is this whole <laughs> investment in your character long term and yeah. i think dnd does that a lot because it has it has the whole leveling system mm-hmm. we ha- we we get that also from other media like world of warcraft which of course is mm-hmm. derived from these things um yeah i think that's just on kind of that whole leveling up kind of investment in a character kind of idea. Mm-hmm. I ran that I ran the Soulbound game uh for Dragon Meat with a load of people. Yes. Played, they've never played it before. A lot of them have never even kind of looked at the Warhammer Age of Sigmar world. So they're all new into it. They we absolutely had a blast. It was great fun. But Soulbound nice. doesn't really have much leveling up in it. You're already mm-hmm. a heroic level character. And it's really hard to earn experience points in it. So it's really good as a one-shot system because you can't mm. you can't really spend that length of time going, oh, I really want to get this, I really want to get that, I really want to get that. Because to get those XP to get it, you're going to be spending months playing that character, months to years to get there. So just go out. And some there are games out there where you can just go out and just go, yeah, let's fuck it. Let's just let's just run around and do mental shit. It's yeah. interesting you you said that because also current Vampire the Masquerade is also quite stingy on XP. Yeah, very much but so. I actually quite like that. Yeah, <laughs> you I, know, you, um, you're not going to earn enough XP in one night to to, to learn a new power. Either, no. So, um, like and I think burn stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting. Not having an XP system where you can level up so quickly is actually a feature. Not a bug. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, Curious. I really interesting idea that we could probably delve into quite deeply on another episode, not today. <laughs> I'm sure it's. I'm sure there's other. I've, I've got this feeling like the free league games for like uh, mm. Tales from the Loop and well, Alien are quite similar. Um, aliens. Yeah. Anything on the uh, that the system, the Year Zero system. I don't think there's much XP in it at all. Mm. It's it's a system I love and I play regularly. And we need to do some more of it. Um, yes, there's, there's no XP in it because you're playing a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so okay, so obviously, what am I rolling? Is it exists as a podcast, but you're predominantly based in London, then. If you're, That's and, right. Yeah. And your players are, uh, I guess, London-based, but also you know, dotted around because if they're anything like us, you know, jobs take them here, there, and everywhere. 
Um, so it, it used to be quite a lot of it was London based because um, I I've recently becoming uh, I'm becoming sort of more and more into improvising in the London uh, improv improv scene. But okay, it, the idea was again with the podcast was to see my friends more, and I because I'm sure we've all had this where we think our friends are the funniest people in the world, and we you know we should be the ones streaming, not X Y Z stream, etc. Because we've got mm -hmm. better characters, we've got better storylines and stuff. So I thought what would be great is to have some of these stories. You know, again, it's like those you had to be there moments. But I, I've been through my friends, quite a lot of my friends have <laughs> heard this podcast. And then um, one of the other things I started doing was actually, because, and I'm sure you, you folks know this as well, is that when you put out actual plays of smaller games, usually the game designers listen to them. <laughs> And they yeah. give you feedback, which is lovely, uh, like good, good feedback. And they, they really enjoyed it. So I started reaching out to them saying, hey, could we interview you for, for this? And so I've had lovely conversations with people like one of my favorite games I ever run. And sorry, was uh, in name only. And the game mechanic for that is simply just your the initials of your first name. And each initial gives you a power that you have, an ability that you have. So mm. for me with Fiona, I have five talents. I have fire magic, ice magic. Uh, I have proficiency in oversized weapons nature magic and archery and then uh you take that number of talents away from the uh eight and that gives you so for me that would be three so any dice roll i had always had a plus three when i use those talents for it and there'll be difficulties you know like a 10 you'd have to beat on most things if it's really difficult it was like a 13 etc but the cool thing about it was that all the minor characters in the the one shots that it said is that they don't have names they are just the mayor's daughter the the king's cook etc until the characters named them and that's okay. when you give them that power then yeah. they become more fully fledged out and what was really good about that game is that i had four uh four of my female friends over and it had been a really really hard day at work just things going to rubbish you know i didn't get a job i'd applied for and all that sort of thing and i was running this game and we got to the end and they they find the the person they were looking at this this is uh, the the mayor's daughter as it was you know about to be sacrificed and they're like and she's she's not responding to anything and so one of the players goes up goes I know exactly what to do and they go to this minor character and go Fiona you need to wake up and I just burst into tears because <laughs> obviously I was like oh my god they'd actually included me in that game and it's like what I was saying before is that suddenly all these people made this connection and wanted me to be a part of it and so yeah I you know the character came to life and talking to the designers about this cool mechanic was really in inspiring and they we referenced the game quite a bit as a result so going then going from sort of having seen your friends in real life to do these podcasts then to going online has been really interesting because I've never really played uh in online games uh, uh before like again like I said all my gaming has come from that one sort of drunken D, &D game and it's always been in person until uh, the lockdown happened in the UK. So doing that and then going to recording, um, whilst I appreciate, and I think a lot of people will have this as well, if you're going from in-person playing to online play, it can there can be quite jarring, you know, people talking over each other, bad internet connection, uh, taking forever to to maybe get, get in together in one place on Zoom or Discord or something like that. My God, it is so much easier to record. <laughs> and it's so much easier to get people that you wouldn't normally get together so as as you folks were saying you're getting people from all around the world i the last uh, one shot i that's i've released is a game called slug blaster which is essentially if you think of like back to the future uh but for teenagers like the hoverboarding into different uh, dimensions and stuff 
uh, based on the uh, Forge in the Dark engine. Yeah. I got to do that with some people that I'd been on a podcast with for a Call of Cthulhu game. And mm. they do a lot of um, Powered by the Apocalypse stuff. And so that was really nice to sort of return the favor. And then th for them all to enjoy it and being able to connect with people like that. But I've yet to do any like con games or anything like that myself. Ah. Um, but And to be fair, I never did con games in real life either. Because again, I don't know whether that's because I, I, I am an anxious person by nature. So that sort of thing would overwhelm me perhaps in an in-person setting. But I, I don't know how like um, it would work. Say, I, like I, for example, I've never, I'm not sure how like Dragon Meat went, for example, because I didn't play in any uh, online games for that. Um, but I, it's such a nice option to do so. I think like if people are comfortable with doing it, the, you can access so much and try so much more. You don't necessarily have to wait in person to play. You can just search there and look for it. So yeah. Again, answer to your question. Yes, I now have an international <laughs> friend that I'm going through that list, and it's getting much smaller, but I'm making new friends all the time. Yeah, I mean, for me, online plays uh, become a necessity because, like, at one point, myself and James lived in the same place. We lived in Leamington for a while, and then mm. some other friends have lived in the same place. You know, it, it happens with, I think it's just the nature of a certain generation of us, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the idea of a permanent job in a single place and your friends live there and never move away for years mm -hmm. and years and years does not really happen anymore or no, at least science especially if you do science and start doing or or, <laughs> or the games industry uh mm -hmm. or anything like that you are moving around i think the only people other than the only uh, only reason that people our age might stay in the one same city and have the same group of friends constantly is if they work in banking in which case you're in London, right? So or retail, or retail, yeah. <laughs> it, but that's that's the thing. It's like yeah. you do move around a lot more, and I think that's um, again why these online tools are great. Mm -hmm. um, me and you, we we, we for Darker Days Radio, me and Chris are the closest people who live live to each other in the in the group, and <laughs> yeah, we're about eighty miles. Well, no, not we're about fifty miles apart. I don't know how far it is to Sheffield from here. So across the mountains. So. <laughs> so yeah, you you've mentioned some some events, and so you you you've yet to dip your toe into running into running convention games. That's mm. interesting. I mean, given what you do already, mm. it is a different kettle of fish because you kind of you know. Mm. I, but I think for what you already do with your podcast, because you're trying to make also, I guess you're you're somewhat aware that you're trying to show off a, a new game to your yes. listeners as well. Then. Mm -hmm. You're already primed for like showcasing a mm -hmm. game to people. It's just you don't necessarily know them, but they are. I guess, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I think again, in a time when if we, you know, if we ever go to an in-person con, or if we do, if there are more cons that are coming online, I think I would be more likely to run a game rather than playing in one. Which I know sounds really odd, but I do think now. I uh, maybe a bit egotistical, but again, thanks to sort of doing improv, certainly online, I do feel a lot more confident in presenting and in like yeah. doing or answering problems quickly because I can handle the tech and I can I can look things up and I don't mind being questioned because uh, I think yeah. again that's the other thing which I think newer DMs worry about is that if someone asks a question you don't know the answer to and my answer to that is that if you can't find it in thirty seconds, just rule it as you would. Yeah. So mm -hmm. much easier than going through. A whole ton of books or PDFs, and you know, search function doesn't work, etc. Yeah, uh, especially yeah, when D and D is literally a stack of books. Like it could yeah. be a stack of books, depending upon how exactly. a player has created their character. 
Yeah. Just as a, that's a very good key point to actually, if anyone's going to take anything from this, is to be a good DM, especially if you're looking at con games or recording games for like you're doing here, if you can't just instantly vibe and flow the game and you, you're constantly spending all the time looking at rules, then is it really the right place to be at that time? Um, yeah, absolutely. It, just there's, there's... enjoy the game for enjoying the game's sake, not because you've got to know, especially with something like D&D, 50 books worth of rules. It's it's about streamlining the experience over yeah. being right, which I do feel some people get really worried about because obviously if... if... Oh, and again, I will say this, it is such a small amount of players that go, oh, I think you'll find it's this, you know, and I put on the nasally voice because mm. I want to indicate, you know, it, it's such a small bit of players. Like we, we still have it in our D&D games where we, we, we go, we're going to rule it like this, we can't find it. And then obviously it's, it's whatever the, this person said. And you're like, you know what? Okay, well, now we know going forward because most of the stuff that you're going to get wrong, I feel, is going to be ones that you've just not looked at at all. It's not going to be the ones that you religiously research. It's going to be that really weird scenario where all these things are happening at the same time. Like I'd been getting uh, uh, held actions wrong for years. Uh, hmm. But nobody had pointed it out just because I, I didn't know what, you know, when the trigger would go and stuff like that for, for it. And you know what? It didn't do me any harm. <laughs> Fix the problem after the game. Don't let it ruin the flow of the yeah. game. Yeah, Play absolutely. the game, play the story. Role playing is about you're playing a role. You're, you're mm-hmm. creating a story. You're not mm-hmm. trying to be perfect. You're trying to have fun. You're trying and the, to the other thing I'd quickly say as well is that um, if you are worried anxious about running a game and getting stuff wrong say that at the beginning to your players because the mm. players do not want you to fail they want you to to run the game for them you know well, which may seem I've a bit got... selfish so I've, I've met some players who want me to fail but i think that's because they're really good friends of mine and they hate me well that i but that's a little <laughs> bit different that's, <laughs> that's the relationship different. yeah i see that's, there that's is a little fine line with my friends yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um, the other the other thing actually is an, uh, another thing about this and this relates to how i i run games as well is um you know, as a GM, just because a game has all available options does not mean you should allow all available options. If you oh, want to constrain it, God, you yes. don't have to have the kitchen sink in there. You can just no. go, we're going to just play with the microwave, okay? You're all just bits in the microwave. You're just a microwave. We might allow someone to be the toaster, but not having the entire kitchen, because I don't know what yeah. to do with it, um, yeah, to use a, a, an analogy there. Um, but uh, or oh, metaphor, very sorry. Good analogy. Uh, but the but yeah, that's that's cool. And then speaking of actual events, I mean, uh, related to this, then um, it, you know, obviously we've done stream games for what? Oh God, we've done Dragon Meat. We've done. I think we did a stream game for UK Games Expo. Uh, uh, we definitely have done stuff for Onyx Path Con. That's an online oh, convention. We did something for. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, Save Against Fear, which is the Badana group that's based in the US. So they use role playing as a as a as a way of uh, rehabilitation and dealing with like uh, for trauma rehabilitation for people. Oh, amazing! And for teaching and for children and families, so they use role play games mm-hmm. for that. They're really cool. And then so also our friends at Gehenna Gaming, of course, are running uh, Virtual Horicon uh, in the first quarter of. 2021 uh which was great last year so the, my point is there are there are definitely conventions have gone virtual and there are certainly some which have uh, when they when when you're online feel very active compared to others and i think that's because people 
people don't quite yet know how to exist in this virtual space. And it is I, new. Yeah. I thought Dragon Meat this year, because you had the Discord mm. with it, um, and there was multiple things going on across multiple different platforms, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I thought Dragon Meat this year, just the actual day of Dragon Meat, because there was a, I think they called it ModCon, where it was from the Friday to the end of the Sunday, but Dragon yes. Meat was the Saturday. Mm. I thought Dragon Meat went very, very well. Um, mm. There was a lot of really good talks that were on there. Um, mm-hmm. I was at the Free League one. Obviously, I was at the Chris when he did his Wrath and Glory uh, Warhammer Fantasy group one was there. I even ra- I ran a game and talking to people in the Discord. So it was it, it felt like being at a kind of a nice, friendly, cozy con. Mm-hmm. So it what works. It can work if you've got good people behind it. Like what? Horicon was again was an amazing one. I will say I know I think I know what needs to happen with these conventions though is um is like you know you you need that experience of being able to go up to the person at the stall who mm. works for mm. X company to chat about it. So I think they need yeah. like almost each company needs to have its own little voice channel where people can pop place. in and ask questions because that's kind of what I did at the end of my talk cool. is I actually mm. sat in one of the voice channels and fielded questions about Wrath and Glory and Warhammer RPGs, which took me all the way back to working in a Games Workshop store as a lowly <laughs> Games Workshop staff member using his pay to buy discounted miniatures. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... That's period in my life. <laughs> um, so gaming in London then, what kind of cool events do we not hear about in about gaming in London? Because I mean... I mean, often it's a case of just getting down there, but I'm sure there's some good smaller events that we don't hear about. Good question. Um, I will say, as someone who who tends to stay in their own friendship group and is an anxious person, I don't necessarily go to these. One thing I did start doing a little bit before the pandemic, there's a place called Bad Moon Cafe, who uh, it's just outside Borough Station, which I appreciate might mean nothing to people outside London, but south of the river. And it's a beautiful little cafe, which was for, uh, they had the huge big tables and stuff for Warhammer. And you could then book a table and there'll be drinks and pizzas and stuff. And you can do role playing games and stuff. And it was a really good, amazing space. And I started doing, there was like RPG nights, Thursdays and stuff. And they've all moved online now as well. But there's also the RPG community in London, which I think they took over several different pubs on different days. And they'd have... The various uh, you know RPGs, you know, a bit like what I do on the podcast, you know, different games, try them out, and then they had their own D and D world, um, like a huge big campaign that was sort of spread out between several different DMs, and the players would play in it, and it was again, I I say this, I think it was called D and D Kansas. I'm going to say this wrong now, and people are going to like shout at me, and I'm like, oh, but I never played in it, so you can't fault me for not being an expert. Um, but I quite like that idea of like having and it was you know a big community base and lots of people you know different ages different backgrounds of getting being able to play in it but i like that idea of having a shared campaign setting you know a bit like a a westermarch game Mm -hmm. but everyone's player group had an impact on the story there'll be a different part of the the world or a different part of time but it would have influenced the others i believe and it was all in one big uh document um but other than that i guess for me i again i I mostly in my sort of teen years and then growing up in London, or growing up in London, uh, working in London, sorry, I did a lot of like uh, LFCC, so London Film and Comic Con, because I was more of into sort of sci fi and, and, and tracks and stuff. So I'd, I do miss what you were saying before about c- 
conventions like going and seeing all what I would call the tat stalls and then spending mm. far too much money on dice I didn't need and then coming home and realizing I've got way too many things already. I never that, have enough dice. Well, that's true. But at the same time, there, there is there is a point, I guess. But it, it was it's just again, you know, something we did with friends. You go around, see the art, see panels, uh, you know, neat uh, you know, st- stars of, you know, uh, I don't want to say B-list stars, obviously, but people where you're like, I don't know who they're from. Have you, you know, go quick Google. Oh, that's really cool. We should, can we go talk to them? All that sort of thing. So I miss mm-hmm. that in the in that sense. But I think for me, going forward, like again, sort of going back to what you were saying about conventions, I'm looking forward to the day where we have hybrid conventions. By yeah, you know, yeah, we have things that are in person, but also everything is recorded and put online for those people who can't make it. Having stuff like like Dragon Meat was really cool, and to be fair, uh, UK's Gamers Expo did the same sort of thing, where you had different Twitch channels showing all this content, and you could dip in and out of it, and it was there for however long it was on Twitch, because uh, I know it's a bit different than on YouTube, but that, it was just so nice to be able to do that, and I think that's only going to get stronger and stronger now that they realise there is a, a big need for it. Like if you think about like PAX, for example, quite a lot of their stuff is streamed um and online and you know because obviously they have like the acquisitions incorporated games and stuff so i'm hoping that in future more uk based conventions have that hybrid thing and allow people like like ourselves when we ran we ran stuff for like a podcast zone you know whether or not whether or not people listen (laughs) is a different thing but being able to have that chance to network even if you can't make an in-person convention is so important like Mm. i think i mentioned it right at the top in one of the discords this year i was like i had to go to a well i had to go i went to a a one-day podcast convention in birmingham and whilst the convention itself was fine i I didn't get much out of it in terms of networking because that was that was the main aim for me so i said you know all these panels and stuff are good but if they're recorded and put online there'd be so much value in that and you could sell like half price tickets for whatever and people like no we like the social aspect of it but i think nowadays like as you said like if you are willing to use the discord and have that sort of cozy con thing it's not the same i will say that but you still have that element so if you can't make it you don't necessarily feel like you're missing out i guess i think yeah and that's the that's the main thing it's kind of like that fear of missing out because obviously um you know gen con is a massive convention Mm. where releases are done and it's like considered a a main point in the year for uh, gaming but then absolutely it's it's a shame that you know obviously uk games expo has grown and is huge and Mm -hmm. i freaking love it because Mm, uh i think it's it's a good it's a good venue i generally find i'm i'm kind of glad it's not in london because it makes it a a lot more accessible accessible to everybody um and then like Essence Spiel I love because it's just huge. It has a lot more variety in gaming. It's been a while since I've been to that one. And that's why when World yeah. of Darkness Berlin happened, that seemed quite incredible because it was obviously it's like, wow, we've got this huge event and it's European based. And we don't mm. it just felt like such a landmark event. And I, I really wish if you're listening to me, well uh her paradox i'd like another one in europe somewhere <laughs> and i then can easily make it into a great holiday and uh you know mm-hmm. streaming event um but the fear of missing out i think have... please yeah yeah but i think the fear of missing out is often i think i feel now i have less of because we Agreed. have str- because yeah. we have streaming from events so i think events need to latch on to that mm-hmm. um Cool. Okay. Um. So more about your gaming. 
<laughs> Back to the like, yeah. <laughs> what are your what are your favorite game genres that you you've enjoyed the most running for your one shots? And maybe also what are your favorite kind of like play styles as well? So by that I mean like, you know, are we talking for some genres or some sort of games you go like I'm happy having lots of dice rolls and other ones it's like, well, a bit less, or some completely bloody freeform. Interesting. Um so for me in terms of running stuff, I'm I will say, like, like again, I love horror to an extent. Like, one of the first non D and D games I ran was Dread. I saw it oh, on brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop, and I just thought, well, everyone's got a Dread, uh, everyone's got a Jenga, or or as I've got it, a, a building blocks tower uh, TM. Yeah. Um, so that's perfect, and it's and it's again very simple. If you've not, if, if people. Here, I haven't heard of Dread. Essentially, you answer a questionnaire about your character, and every time they do something that is uh, beyond their ability, or you think they're quite scared, uh, they have to take a block from the tower. And if the tower falls, their character is removed from the game, whether that's through a death or game that I've ever played. Yeah, and I think I like that. For me, I'm not. How can I put this? Like, I love horror. Like all kinds of horror, I like. I love playing. Like I'm, I'm sure you both have played, like or heard of Phasmophobia, which is a ghost hunting game. Yes. It's that sort of thing. It's the creeping dread. And you, you, you speak aloud, and something speaks back to you that you're not expecting. Um, that's the sort of horror I like. I'm not too fussed about gore or over the top. Like I've watched all the saws. I don't need to recreate that in a role playing game for anyone. Ah, uh, saws shit anyway. It's yeah, not, well, exactly. It's, not, it's, not, it's not horror. It's terror. Um, yes, even that. Uh, it's a it's an important distinction that we've made before on this podcast. Is there's a difference between horror is is the fear of of is is much more related to the fear of the unnatural and particularly mm-hmm. the supernatural, and it's almost more about the the feelings that run up to something horrific then occurring. Um, Definitely, it's and... the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Yes. And again, like I think, only really recently, and I feel it feels like embarrassing to say this to to people who run a a horror uh, a, like a podcast. But I only really recently played stuff like Call of Cthulhu and ran it. And that going back to what you were talking about, like play style, quite like that system of you have to get under a certain number rather than beating it. Because I think there is something magical about again coming from a D and D a D twenty system sort of experience and then going right you either have to go under this number and it's either a success a hard success or extreme success or you know failure and i feel like making it turning it from a percentage and then into the sort of a, a storytelling narrative that sort of thing like you, you succeed just you know it's not like oh you you really destroyed the dragon you 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 barely scratched it that sort of thing i just i love that and for me the less dice rolls i have to do the better because let's face it as a gm it is a lot of admin at times if you're doing initiatives mm-hmm. and you're thinking of these things you think of layer actions it's it's a lot and i think sometimes you can get overwhelmed with it and it like i said i always feel like the gm is a player as well so that they should also get to enjoy the game it is not about herding cats through hr <laughs> you see yeah so yeah i think for me again just looking at the books like I've got, I've got like knights, black agents, solo ops that I want to play, and yeah. that sort of, you know, the sort of spy, spy genre actually doesn't really excite me that much. But as soon as you put it in a sort of a grim, dark, you know, it's got vampires in it, I'm gonna say like, oh, yeah. now that makes it interesting. So I definitely love 
playing more horror or running more horror. The issue I'm having, uh, like you said, is making sure people distinguish between terror and horror. Because, you know, horror is not for everyone, and I will say that. But I think it's definitely something that you can't um, overindulge with, if you see what I mean. Like, I feel like, like I would love, 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 love to run a Curse, a Curse of Strahd D&D campaign. But I think right now is not an appropriate time for it when, you know, mm-hmm. things get gloom and doom anyway. There, is, there are moments in the campaign where it is a lighter sort of thing, but I think you have to go in with a certain mindset for it as a GM, but also to let the players know at the beginning of each session, like, hey, this is going to be quite sad in places, or it, you might feel things that you don't, you, know, you might not want to play anymore. And I think that's why, again, for me, I like doing one shots is because if, if people are feeling sad, we cut it off there. And it's like, here's an experience for you. Rather than mm. going back to it and going, oh no, <laughs> I'm going to feel those feelings again, I guess. But yeah, I think if I if I had a choice, I would run horror all the time. But I appreciate it. it's not for everyone and you don't necessarily want to overindulge. Then you just become desensitized you, to it. Yeah, what you've hit on there, though, is something that we, we advocate quite a lot kind of throughout Darker Days Radio. And I know Gehenna Gaming do and the kind of the better horror groups is mm. having that discussion beforehand. Mm-hmm. If you because if you love horror gaming, you know that there's going to be whether it's horror, whether it's terror, whether it's psychological, gothic, gore. There's going to be parts in that that are going to affect people differently, and it's having that conversation beforehand, going, "This is what we're going to be dealing with today. Are you okay with it? And if you're yes. not, let me know so I can change it." I, um, yeah. I do something called uh, boundaries and foundries. Which I'm again, most people here probably listen to, like, you know, they have lines and veils. So obviously, a line is something that we do not cross. So, a topic mm. or, or a situ- situation where you're like, okay, we just don't fast forward, we get past that. A veil is something that can be in the background, but it's not like the focus of the one shot. So, it can be present, but it's not a thing. Yeah. I learned something in improv, which is called foundries, because once you do have the boundaries talk, it can let the energy out. Because obviously, Players don't deliberately, I'd say most of the time, don't want to hurt each other and don't want to upset each other. But obviously, if you have a really intense boundary session, you'd be like, oh, and now we're going to play a positive game. I'm not so sure. So boundaries is something that you do want to happen in your one shots. Um, something that you, you know, each player has to put something forward that they really, really like. And then if it if the opportunity comes up in the one shot, everyone, every, every player can see it. So it can help towards it. So, for example, for me, what I really love, one of my big boundaries, uh, is that I love a good challenge. So, mm. in improv scenes, when they say, "Oh my goodness, Fiona, you, you your debut album of uh, number one rapper has just launched today. Can you give us like the the first tune?" And I'll be like, <laughs> y- y- "Yes, I can." And you know, because I I'd love failing forward because I know I know I'm not number one rapper in the world, <laughs> but I I love that challenge. So that's why I always say that to my players. Like my boundary is as a GM, I love you being wacky and making those decisions if that's what the one shot is about so do it don't feel like you have to hold back because i because i have to clean up because i actually love having to justify it because where because i'm not gonna lie my justifications are going to be as awful as these decisions they're making but it's it's all about the fun in the way and i like being put in those situations so yeah boundaries and foundries is definitely one thing i would recommend so you can Mm. get that energy back in before you start your one shots i love reacting to those stupid player comments it's like Sometimes you want the players to be as annoying as possible because then exactly you learn about them, you learn about your the way you play, and you get to do these most amazing things that you never thought of you'd be able to mm. do and take the story in exactly. these different ways. Mm-hmm. It sounds like also uh, what you were saying about um, 
about rule systems there and about you know moving away from D and D. I think uh, if you've played Call of Cthulhu, you're going to really enjoy Warhammer Fantasy because it's it's, mm, it's, it's it, it draws from the same same system. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's derived from it because it uses a percentile system, but it's very much about as I the most re, the recent edition is not about failing; it's about failing but not as badly as the opponent uh in combat <laughs> so um which is good so you can so you can you can completely fail your hit roll with a chair you can fail your hit roll with a sword but if your negative if your negatives your your degree of success is less negative than theirs you still hit them you just hit them mm -hmm. badly so i really yeah. like that way that system works uh yeah, and i also like dice pulls how a non-combat character kills somebody with a chair My... yeah <laughs> and dice pulls are good because obviously um dice mm, pulls are, are amazing for like you can easily eyeball it and you know a dice pull is a bell curve and you can shift bell curves or make them wider and all these other things yeah. you know what you're doing yeah. Essentially, stuff that doesn't have to require too much math adding up. Like I know D and D is quite—I say crunchy. I mean, it's not as crunchy as other systems, but like, be when you roll dice and you go, "Okay, give me two minutes," and you're like, "No, yeah. I'm done now." <laughs> Enough. You—you you definitely hit it. I'm not a massive fan of different dice types because no. then, okay. then you can get some players where they go, "Right, it's the classic thing of like which is better." 1d8 or 2d4 on the damage roll and you're like uh, you know because you, you have to think about roll a one yeah you, you want one that doesn't roll a one you want a, a better yeah. average uh more consistent damage you've got better dps um Just on average math. math too much math enjoy yeah, yeah, like, i agree um yeah, yeah, yeah. cool just as a very quick side thing. My favorite system at the moment is the uh, pre league year zero system because it's a, it's a dice pool, but you only need sixes. Yeah, and that's it. That's mm. the entire rule system. You get one stat, roll it, you need a six. Done. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I also like cult. Cult's fun because, again, it's a cult. I need to run more of it. It's a very hard yes, game do. to write original <laughs> scenarios for um, because. Uh, I've said this before. Writing, writing scenarios for cult for me is a challenge because I'm trying to write something that doesn't just descend into Hellraiser. I don't want it to mm. go. I don't want to Clive Barker it all the time. <laughs> it's like that's that's too easy. It's too easy. Um, right. Okay. I think we covered the question of gaming advice because I think the foundress thing was really interesting, mm. and I really like that idea of also ensuring that players get something in particular they want to showcase or or explore or be and, and, and it doesn't have by. sorry i was gonna say and it doesn't have to be something huge or big it could be something really small so for example in the slug blaster one people were like and because it's it's it basically if you think of like skateboarding or parkour is that sort of element as a sport sort of game yeah. and yeah. a lot of people were like you know like oh wipeouts or or there's got to be a rival crew etc and someone just hmm. said I, I just want to have fanny packs or, or bum bags. <laughs> I was like, done. Easy. Done. Easy. And, and we had a big conversation about what fanny pack means to obviously some British people. <laughs> I was the only oh, British yeah. person on that on that podcast. Yeah. So it's it quite funny. Yeah, the, being, being able to like introduce something as small as that, just to give that energy. It's and So yeah, that's why I say like it doesn't have to be big or witty or clever. It can literally be something as silly as a bum bag. <laughs> We just right. spent, not the latest session of Warhammer Fantasy, but the last one, we spent the entire session shopping. Yeah. Now has masks. Mm. He wanted to buy masks because this mm -hmm. is Chris. 
Yeah, because my character has is yeah has got reasons he needs a mask. He has really good reasons for it. Um, oh, I love him personally, but he he definitely needed it. Um, he's Italian. <laughs> he's he's faux Renaissance Italian in a fantasy setting. He needs a mask. Um, right. Okay. Um, so briefly then. Um, so the DM book club is yes. your other podcast. <laughs> yes. And essentially, that's Richard and Judy do role play game books. Then. Right? <laughs> What? I will tell I'll tell Ryan you said that. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's a, that's a so yeah, in complete opposite to what we just talked about. Um, one thing I've discovered, and again, this was uh, during lockdown, I did want to start another podcast, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I didn't want it to be as intensive as editing like I do for what am I rolling? Because obviously, you know, you're editing different tracks and stuff. I just wanted something very, very simple. And like I said, I have a lot of books, and obviously D D has a lot of source books and a lot of modules and stuff, and my DM Ryan, um, he also has the same not problem. He, he reads most of his, and I don't. So I was like, why don't we every couple of weeks? Why don't we just sit down, pick a topic, and talk about it? And that's essentially what it is. It's like you, you know, we we pick stuff and we talk about it. And why? Again, it doesn't have to be D and D related. It can be like, well, what what's really cool about this, and where can we put it in our campaigns? And it's nice being able to like bounce ideas off each other, essentially. But yeah, it is yeah. it is definitely a book club. <laughs> But you, you do, you do like also then. So you, you do pick a particular book and kind of frame the conversation around that. Then is that kind yeah, of the gist? Kind of. We we take usually it's a very small bit of the book. As I as yeah. it, as I found as I found out, it's quite a lot to do one whole book in a podcast. Mm, um, yeah. So you taking taking stuff. So like for example, the first two episodes, I think one's about giants, and then one's about mind flayers, and actually. From there, if you go through them and listen to them in order, actually, there's it's an interesting arc because obviously, as if people are playing D and D or have read a bit of the lore, everything connects. So it's amazing when we come back to later, go to, into later stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, we did cover mind flares or we did cover giants, and here's the relationship with this. And it actually, I feel so much smarter now as a result. Doesn't mean I'm a better player or I remember stuff when we play <laughs> at all. But it's actually one of the things. And again, this is super boring, but um, we talked about combat initiative really recently and how there are different ways to do combat including one called speed factor which i don't know if you folks know about but essentially it is about you you say what you're going to do and each action you have so if you're casting a spell which is at a high level it's going to be minus uh like say if you're casting a level five spell it's gonna be minus five to your roll because it takes that long to do it and then you all roll keep it in secret and then the gm counts back down from 30 and then whoever, you know, when your number is called, then you do your action or you lose it. And it sacrifices ah. that speed. Uh, and I say in D&D, speed is a factor in games. I mean, we, we know fights go on for hours. But to, to play it through that system. And it sounds incredible, but I would not like to do it as a GM. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But it but it gets yeah. us to talk about stuff like um like mob rules and stuff. And actually, I've seen it now in our own D&D campaign. Ryan will reference something and I'm like... <gasps> that reference was for me which is it's like a little little thing but it, it does make me feel so much better that i'm reading it through with someone and then uh and then yeah asking questions or you know because i don't think i get any of it right myself but it's something it's nice to be passionate about something and discuss it with someone um you know a, a couple of times in a month just to be like oh i found this really cool thing and stuff so yeah as i said sensing it but yeah i like the richard and judy analogy but i'm i hope that i'm richard though because i don't know if i want <laughs> to be judy <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, right, I think we we've hit. This has been actually 
quite a long episode already now. We've had a very <laughs> interesting discussion from one, starting from cyberpunk and gone all the way into D&D books and the nuances of combat in D&D. Um, <laughs> where can they find you and contact you on social media and so forth? Where? What are the best places to do that? Good question. Well, while I'm not stuck in my flat, you can find me on the internet. I, um, uh, I, I, I do have a personal Twitter, but I don't tend to write too much on it. But the two podcasts you can do, so there's What Am I Rolling, which is the twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Uh, that's on Twitter at WAIR underscore podcast. And then you've got the DMs Book Club, which is, again, a book club of all about D&D law, uh, which is weekly. Uh, and that's at, at the DMs Book Club. And the What Am I Rolling does have a website, so if you want to check that out, that's uh, just wairpodcast.com. And both podcasts are available wherever you listen to podcasts, so Apple, Spotify, Podbean, uh, no longer SoundCloud, because SoundCloud is rubbish. Um, but yeah. <laughs> basically, basically, anywhere you want to listen to it, do to me. And you'll recognize it. They are uh, very bright colored uh, <laughs> uh, album covers I use for the podcast, so you should find them there. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And then following on from this episode, the mm -hmm. plan is that I will be running a one-shot for yes, What Am I Rolling? Right. Where there will be in the old world of Warhammer, <laughs> where oh, hijinks, hijinks occurs, because Warhammer yeah. is just so accessible. Because no one's a hero in Warhammer. Everyone's just a profession. Like, Spoiler, uh, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> I, I, I actually can't wait. Like, I have so little knowledge or, like, again, a view of Warhammer, uh, you know, as a, oh, it's, it's a tabletop game, like a war game. So this is why I'm like, I'm actually really excited to see it. And I'm actually glad that someone else is running it for me. Because as you can imagine, I'm the one that always runs games. So it's nice to sit mm. back and also cause chaos for somebody else <laughs> in the nicest it, way possible. It's, it's such a good game system. And you don't, one, one as you say, it's, it's Warhammer. So everybody knows that there's, 30 40 years of law behind it. but mm -hmm. nah, you don't need to know that you just need to know that you're gonna die and that's... everyone's mainly peasants anyway so they don't know jack <laughs> they, they want a pig Klaus yeah like yeah him, so he's lucky yeah uh i mean it's... so like the current like the current streaming our game party composition is what we've got a merchant uh, a, a peasant who's looking to make peasant. it he's a proper literally... peasant like he's, he's just, now he's now super rich because he has ten shillings to his name and he started with whoa less than less than a shilling. Yeah. Um, now buy a pig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what other characters we've got? We've got a merchant. We've got uh, a, the only and randomly roll. So character generation can be random, but we're not going to do it for what am I rolling because it would no. take up an entire podcast on its own. Uh, we've yep. got an elven elven bounty hunter for Who whatever reason. What are the other characters we've got? Uh, who else uh, we got there? Is uh, a newspaper writer, journalist? Yes, agitator. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like and... an creative journalist character type thing. I'm not quite sure what her actual job title is in the game system, but she's playing it as an investigative journalist, and she now has made friends with the uh, Tilian Mafia. Yeah, and speaking <laughs> of Tilians, I'm a Tilian noble who mostly did some very naughty things back in his home country and fled north to empire to the empire which is in effect and it's still done some very naughty things is in effect like is <laughs> renaissance germany um and is a, a is a, a duelist so you know he he fights for people if they need if they want trial by combat if they can pay for him 
uh, amongst other things. Kills Bretonians when he decides to. He pulled. He he cheated in a game of cards. And he insulted my honor, and I was better with a rapier than him. So, pff. but anyway, that's that's kind of what you're expecting. Um, I can't wait. It's very. It's very British humour. Um, that's the thing with Warhammer. It is rooted in British satire, which is why we write for it as well, because um, it's we hilarious. It. Um, yeah, and I'm, in fact... So, um, go and watch I'm, on YouTube when it comes up. It's on Gehenna Gaming Twitch. Um, we have had some hilarious hijinks in it so far. It's it's one of my favourite games at the moment. Yeah. Um so I'm writing something hopefully original for it, or if I don't get it written something original, I will run one of the the existing scenarios because it's still they're all pretty damned good anyway. Okay, with that, anyway, thank you again, Fiona, for chatting. Uh, I think we covered Thanks a lot of cool me. topics. I think we will yeah. obviously have to get you back on the show again because we like to have some diverse voices on the show because that is who hey. we are. It's 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 like we want diversity, but it's always like we need to find someone that. It's yeah. You, know, you want to you want diversity, and you want someone that can deliver that diversity, and who hasn't been heard like a lot of the other people who are often out there in social media with gaming. So it's mm -hmm. always good to get more people that we haven't heard from. Uh, obviously, if you are interested in everything we've spoken about today, uh, you can find out everything about Dark Days Radio on our Facebook. You can go over to our discord you can go over to instagram uh that's at darker days radio or twitter at darker days radio if you go to the instagram i'm sure you'll see toy soldiers and other stuff that we post up there i need to paint some stuff over christmas so while you're listening to this well, i might finish painting some more necromunda terrain hurrah um uh obviously you can find our gaming videos on youtube uh and if you want to email us about uh what we've discussed or anything else or ideas or if you want to collaborate uh we are darkdaysradio at gmail.com but that is everything for now yeah. uh and all it leaves me to say is uh have a fun saturnalia uh and uh <laughs> and um and we will We'll hopefully be back in the new year with something because I don't know when we're streaming Warhammer next, and I don't know what other stuff we're recording. Oh, we're doing holiday horror horror days. Uh, we're doing some more. Yes, we're going to do some more Christmas themed spooky secret frequency segments. So uh, I need to research one like tonight and yeah, I've got come a, up with that. A pile of books that next to me, which are talking about ghost stories, and I'm just looking at it going, I need to read those for for this. Yeah, um, but that's it for now. So again, uh, thank you again, Fiona, for taking the time thank to you. chat to us. Thank you, David, for co-hosting. No worries. And thank you, everyone, for listening. So goodbye for now. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Occam's Laser.